Yes, sir, and welcome. Welcome, welcome to episode 36 of the Good Look Podcast. I'm your host, Leonard Pinkney, a.k.a. Agent P, a.k.a. L. Pinkney, here to give you guys another episode at the Good Look Podcast on Instagram. Please follow, watch all the posts, check the stories out. Link for the podcast is in the bio. Appreciate you guys following, checking out the stories, and and interacting it's been really appreciated thank you for all the follows and the follow backs um keep pushing the content on that page at l pinkney still for the twitter and the instagram i'll still share it on my instagram but i'm moving slowly towards the good look podcast so keep it locked there for new content i got some new stuff up my sleeve i can't wait for you guys to check it out and see what's going on so uh stay tuned for that um but let's go ahead and, and get into it y'all we are 20 uh what is it so actually we're 19 days away from NBA basketball starting certain teams have already opened up their training camps um players are starting to report because they need to get tested for COVID and need to pass certain tests in order to get into the program so it's happening (laughs) y'all the NBA season has had its shortest offseason ever and now we're gonna have basketball the last week of December or the second to last, the third to last week in December, and it's going to be absolutely incredible. I can't wait. So let's go ahead and get into the news and notes for the week. The NBA released their guidelines for COVID. Um, They also released the number of players who were tested and the positive cases that came out. So 546 players tested, 48 came up positive, and essentially, this is what the NBA is planning for. And if you read through some of their guidelines, you get a positive test. So you're going to have to sit out for 10 days or so, have a certain number of consecutive negative tests in order to get back into the basketball facility, basketball operations, travel with the team, etc., etc. They're planning pretty much like baseball did, pretty much like football is trying to do right now. They're just lucky basketball has a, a lot less players than football, but still... Um, this is a situation where half of a team can get knocked out because of COVID interactions, you know, and these are, they're only 12, 15 guys on a team. So it's going to be a factor. The league knows it's going to be a factor. Teams are preparing for it and everyone, including fans, just have to be aware that, Hey man, you could be out three starters for a week and that's, no one's going to feel sorry for you. That's the league is just going to keep going. They'll try to make games up, which is why they kept the second half of the schedule open. Um, but this is just the way it's going to be. Hopefully, uh, I mean, the vaccine for, for COVID has been, has been, I believe, approved. And we'll start going out to healthcare and, and certain high-risk candidates. Um, it's going to probably take a while for it to get to the general public. But you would assume phys- or pro-athletics people in higher positions are going to find ways to end up getting this vaccine soon so um they're planning for it hopefully people stay as safe as possible and and try not to mess it up too much but they know it's going to happen so it's just something that has to be factored in uh kemba walker for the boston celtics um i'll talk about the celtics a little bit later in this pod but um his immediate status is unknown at this time. He's been dealing with a knee issue, and it's been concerning, um, to say the least. So I'll leave it at that for now and then go into the Celtics a little bit later. Um, Joe Kim Noah, 
uh, was released by the, by the Clippers, and he's expected to retire. Uh, 15-year veteran, multi-time All-Star. He was part of those back-to-back national championship teams in Florida. Really big reason why they won. Um, Defensive Player of the Year. He got. He was even third in MVP voting one year. So, Joakim Noah had an incredible career. He was a character amongst characters. Dude liked to run his mouth. Dude was intense. Um, but above all, he was an incredibly cerebral player, um, both offensively and defensively. He shot a weird jump shot, but. Um, no one really knew him for that. They knew him for the intensity on defense, um, his, his smarts on offense, and his ability to set screens, rebound, all those things. He did all those great things, um, even when they did have Derrick Rose healthy and when they didn't. He was a staple for the Chicago teams mid-2000s and, and early 2010s. So a really solid career for Joe Kim Noah. Shout-out to him, um, and good luck in his retirement. Um, details of the Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard um, treatment, we'll say that, came out in The Athletic today along with Paul George just astutely putting out the All the Smoke podcast interview today, or excuse me, yesterday. It's, it's uh, this Clipper offseason just keeps getting better, y'all. I mean, The Athletic, it, it's funny. So this is... My big takeaway, and then I will I'll go into the little nitty gritty stuff and the stuff that people will pick apart. It's funny that this is the stuff that people will talk about because you lose, and it's easy because there's only one team that wins every year. This is special because the Clippers were one of those teams that a lot of people thought would knock off the Lakers. They thought this team would win the title this year. It's funny because if they did, no one would care. No one would care that Kawhi lives in San Diego and commutes and sometimes is late for flights. No one would care that him and Paul George have private security guards or whatever. No one would think, oh man, maybe these guys sometimes miss out on practice or decide they don't want to play certain nights. Like No one would care if you won. Like when the Lakers had that three-peat in the early 2000s, Shaq and Kobe were at each other's throats. And a lot of guys on the team had to pick sides, and there was a lot of internal turmoil. But it was okay to let it ride because they won. So nobody cared. But in this instance, because you lose, and because you have such high expectations, we are going to pick everything apart and figure out why. And not only why, Pick out the little details that really enhance why you didn't win. So the Clippers smear campaign has been going on the entire summer. And it's not totally unjustified because they brought a lot of this on themselves. Just look at the Paul George interview. There's almost no accountability from this guy. Like, bro, you lost. Don't come out here and say Doc Rivers used me as J.J. Redick or Ray Allen, like just coming off pin downs all the time when that wasn't true. There are stats that showing he had the highest pick and roll percentage of his career last season. So he's just living in a different world. He, I, I understand that it's probably got to be really, really tough to have everyone on your ass about the way you played, but you deserve it. 
the way that they played in the Eastern or the Western Conference semifinals against my Nuggets, after blowing a 3-1 lead, you deserve all the crow. And what you need to do is swallow it, be humble, and move on to the next season. Stop making excuses. You guys had high expectations, even after that. This is why, man, it's really hard to try to cheer for Paul George or want like Paul Paul George to just do well because I I think he's probably a cool guy. But anytime it's basketball related, and it and anytime it, it involves high stakes or having you be the max player that you're paid to be, when you have to step up when it really counts, he hasn't. Time after time after time, he's exhibited incredible talent in the regular season. But when it comes to the postseason, he disappears. And he seems like he has an excuse for all of it except for putting it on himself. So I, I'm i going to talk about the Clippers a little bit later. I still, I still see them as formidable. But in terms of being the upper, upper echelon, the team that I think can win the title, if you have Paul George as your second guy, I just don't know. And if you, if you have a guy who you know is just not going to show up when you really need it, what are you going to do? Kawhi can't do it all by himself. So, yeah. The offseason news is it's a little bit expected. People want to crap on the Clippers some more because it's funny to do, and I get it. Um, but some of it is is justified, and some of it is because they bring it on themselves. So, if, if Paul George finds a way to have a regular season stretch in the postseason, then this Clipper team wins a title, honestly. <laughs> but history has shown us it's just probably not going to be the case. Um, extension news. This one was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, LeBron, um, who also was on the road trip and podcast, it wasn't that entertaining. He had a couple of, of gems. One of them was that he actually wanted to start uh, Team LeBron within Nike, having his own brand, and then he wanted Luca to actually be the first signee of Team LeBron. But now, obviously, Luca went to Jordan Brand. Um, shout out to Steph Curry as well. He's starting Curry Brand um, under the umbrella of un- Under Armour. So essentially, the same thing as Jordan Brand. So Steph's done incredible with Under Armour. He's turned that basketball division into something that's relevant. So he definitely deserves his own brand. That's awesome. But LeBron's interview—it's funny because Channing Frye and Richard Jefferson are funny. Um, I wish there was more, and I think they're going to release more parts, but the parts that have been released so far are just whatever. Um, LeBron, um, in official NBA news, agreed to a two-year, $85 million extension, maxed out. Um, He's obviously been in the league for 10-plus years, 15-plus years now, so his salary maxes out. He can go over the 105% threshold of what, um, in terms of what a contract maximum he can make. I know that's a lot of numbers, but... Pretty much this is what the breakdown is. LeBron had one year left on his deal um, at $39 million, and then a player option the next year for 41 ish um, 
It was a little over 41. This two-year extension takes away the player option, so he's going to play out his last year in his contract this year, $39 million. Then uh, the next contract, if he was going to have a player option, doesn't have it anymore, that's going to be at $41 million, and then the next year, $43 million. So he's had a three-year deal. It's another 1-1, so he still has the option to get out because he's LeBron and he's always smart enough to give himself the option. Um, so... But it, it look obviously it's it's a place LeBron wants to be and wants to stay. People are really speculating that he has the option in case Bronny gets into the league to play with him. I think that's just way too <laughs> assumptive at this point. To be real, if you watch him play in his high school games, it's gonna take a lot, man. He's really making his rankings based off his name, um, but. You see like a kid like Amari Bailey, who was a sophomore on Sierra Canyon last year. That kid's the number one uh, shooting guard or guard in his class this year as a junior. Uh, Bronny has not shown that kind of leap, that kind of athleticism, or that type of basketball play in order to be ranked as a prospect who actually might get into the league one day. He looks good. Like, he looks like a solid player. He obviously belongs on the court. But you have to be amazing. If you're not amazing in high school, then you're not you're not going to make it um, as life goes on in your basketball career. Now, things could change. If he grows to 6'7 or 6'8 like his dad and starts to bulk up more and the athleticism gets there and he already has a really nice jump shot, then who knows? But it's, it's too assumptive at this point to say that he's going to make it. So LeBron's making this move because he's going to get his money. It's just smart to do. So that's what I take away from it. I pe- think the people reading into it about his son are just aggregators on the Internet who want to try to pull something and keep going with it. I don't see that at all. LeBron's doing it to get his money. And some news that shocked a lot of us but ends up kind of being underwhelming was a late Woj bomb on yesterday evening. John Wall being traded to the Houston Rockets for Russell Westbrook and the Wizards also sent over a 2023 lottery protected first round pick. This trade, oh my God. I'll go into the specifics really quick. John Wall hasn't played a game since the 2018-2019 season. That's right. He hasn't played since 2K19, y'all. That's how long it's been since John Wall has played NBA basketball. His last game was on December 26th, where he actually played well. He had 21-7-7, but he hurt his knee and his heel. Um, and then ended up tearing his Achilles, I think, really falling in the shower, So, which is terribly unfortunate. So he hasn't really played basketball, NBA basketball, in almost like two years so that's gonna be an incredible mountain for him to climb his career averages are 19 and 9 he's always been a solid point guard but these injuries are going to be something that are really hard to get back from Westbrook despite he being who he is obviously played one of his best seasons actually last year he showed he shot a career high in field goal percentage at 47 percent slash 27 8 and 7 and he made the third team all NBA um it's pretty much off the strength of what he did in the second half of the year, January, February, a little bit of March. Um, 
but I mean that still counts. It's still enough to get him on the the third team, and those numbers twenty seven eight and seven is just hard to argue with. So, um, in terms of fit, it's funny because I think they're both just really similar players. They're both players who really at, rely on their athleticism. If you have to ask who the better passer is, you'd say it's John Wall. If you ask who the better shooter is, it's kind of a wash. Um, but both are heavily athletic point guards, two of the most athletic point guards um, of all time, actually. Uh, but what you're trading in terms of Washington, you're trading a disgruntled star for someone who is a little more reliable. Russell Westbrook, despite the way he plays, he's out there. Um, most of the time he's out there. And John Wall, you just, you just never know. He's dealt with injuries even before the two back-to-back killer injuries um, that he's most recently suffered. So Russell Westbrook affords you a little bit more uh, certainty in that regard. Um, and uh, let's see. I, I, I don't know from the from the basketball standpoint, I don't really know if it makes much of a difference either way. Washington, I think, was going to make the playoffs with John Wall or with now Russell Westbrook as their point guard. And Houston's just a mess right now, so I don't even know how to really assess them at this point. But I'm going to talk I'm, uh, pretty much the premise of my next three podcasts, I'll tell you guys now excuse me, is that I'm going to, because we have three, I have this one and then two more before the, the regular season starts, and I'm going to preview um, te- all 30 teams and kind of give a preview of what they're looking at, what their offseason look like, and what their outlook is, um, and I'm going to go by division, even though division and basketball really don't matter, but I'm going to go by division, so 10 teams each episode. Um, and I'll talk about the, the Rockets and the Wizards um, in later episodes. But just know for right now, because we have to have trade analysis, I think it's kind of whatever. Both their contracts, <laughs> coincidentally, are almost identical. I think Russ makes a little bit more, but that's it. Both for three years, both 40-plus million. Um, I don't really know what to, to make of it. It's It's not that big of a deal to me. It's... A move that probably keeps the Wizards in the playoffs in the East, and if they play it out and John Wall's healthy, then the Rockets will be in the playoffs in the West. But does it make either team contenders? No, it's just one of those deals that kind of just happens. There's no real big advantage one way or the other. I give a slight edge to Washington at this point just because of injury certainty with Westbrook. But, I mean, other than that, this trade's kind of just a wash. And now, as I described a little bit earlier, I'm going to go and break down all 30 NBA teams for y'all to get y'all ready, get y'all set, get y'all excited for what's going down in the NBA season this upcoming year. Uh, Granted, like I said before, health is a factor. COVID's obviously a factor. We don't know about these things, so I'm going to make predictions. But obviously, if injuries or anything like that happen, it, it derails things. Like, obviously, I'll talk about the Warriors. Um... But yeah, just know obviously these obviously these are all my opinions, but uh, there's always those caveats of things that just could happen that we don't know about. So, but based on what we have on paper, based on the information we have now, I'm gonna go ahead and give y'all the 2020 2021 NBA season preview. First, I'm gonna do the Atlantic Division. Some of y'all might not even know these divisions. Sometimes I don't even remember them all the time because it's just so irrelevant in the NBA because divisions don't matter. 
But we're going to start off in the Atlantic Division. The first team we're going to talk about here are the Toronto Raptors. Now, last year, this team was the second seed in the Eastern Conference at a 53-19 and record. Um, they were eliminated in the second round in seven games by the Boston Celtics. Pascal Siakam was voted onto the, um, the second team All-NBA, and he was voted an All-Star starter. Kyle Lowry made the All-Star team as well. In terms of signings, they signed Fred Van Vliet, re-signed him to a four-year, $85 million extension. Aaron Baines, two years, $14 million. They uh, re-signed Chris Boucher as well, and they signed Alex Lynn, another center. They lost Serge Ibaka to the Clips, Marcus Gasol to the Lakers. Now, in terms of how I see this team moving forward and, and analyzing everything right now, re-signing Fred Van Vliet was huge. I talked about it a little bit last week. It was kind of what I expected because I see them wanting to have Fred be the guy that takes them forward into the future. He's 26 right now. Kyle Lowry's 36 right now. So Kyle's on his big one-year deal. Once that's off the books, I know Toronto really wants to be in the sweepstakes to try and sign Giannis. That's why they gave Kyle all that money for one year. That cap hold comes off next year. Then you only have Pascal and Fred on the books for serious cash, then you can sign Giannis. And if you can't sign Giannis, then you take that extra money and you try to re-sign OG, you try to re-sign Norman Powell, and you try to make that your core, and then pretty much move forward in that regard. So they obviously want Giannis because that'd be the, the coup, but they still have options if Giannis decides that he either wants to stay in Milwaukee or move on to a different franchise. So I love that they're investing all this money into Fred because Masai Ujiri pretty much outlined what I said. He knows how this team is going to try to move forward. Um, so th the losses of Gasol and Ibaka hurt for sure, especially Ibaka. Um, he had a career high like 15 points or 16 points per game this year. He played really well. Doesn't play the same defense like he did in uh, OKC, but he's still a solid defender, and now he can play small ball five for you, which is great. Um, so those losses are going to hurt, but you did sign Aaron Baines, and Aaron Baines isn't – uh, some all-league center, but he's incredibly solid, sets great screens, smart player, can shoot threes. He shot 35% as a center. That's pretty damn good. He can bang with bigger bodies down low, and you signed Alex Len to be a solid backup center for you. Um, if you keep him in that role, then Alex Len is good for you. If you expect him to start for you and then try to contribute in that manner, you may be asking a little too much of him. But if he's going to come off the bench for you, um, that's, a, that's a great role for him to be in. And once again, Masai Ujiri obviously knows what he's doing. He makes it happen again. Um, so I'm excited to see what Toronto does. I, I, I see them being the same. I think I see a lot of people thinking that they're just going to fall off, and I don't understand why people think they're going to fall off when they have essentially the same team. And they were second in the East last year. I don't think Pascal – I think Pascal's a hard enough worker to know that him getting shut down in the playoffs, he has to work on different moves in his offensive repertoire, and he will – I think he's going to continue to ascend. I think players like Powell and OG will have bigger roles. And then Kyle Lowry will still be steady and Fred Van Vliet's still going to be steady. So this team's still going to be good. I think they're still going to finish as a top three seed in the East. Wouldn't be surprised if they finish two, just depending on what Brooklyn does. But this team is still going to be good. Do not sleep on the Toronto Raptors. Next up in the Atlantic Division, we have the Brooklyn Nets. Now, this is the exciting one. 
They finished seventh in the East last year at 35 and 37. Basically brought no one to the bubble. DeAndre Jordan, peace. Spencer Dinwiddie, peace. Karis LeVert, pretty much the only one who showed up with Jared Allen and some of the other young guys. And they ended up getting swept in the first round by the first team I talked about, the Toronto Raptors. Kyrie Irving was their big signing last year who actually played, but shoulder surgery knocked out his season. He only played in 20 games. And then Kevin freaking Durant. Their signings this year, not many. They re-signed Joe Harris, four years, 75. Incredible, incredible deal. Like I said, y'all, if you want, young people, if you want to be in the NBA, just learn to shoot, man. That's all you need to do. Be tall, learn how to shoot. Um, they traded for Landry Shaman and Bruce Bowen. Or Bruce Brown, Bruce Bowen. <laughs> Man. <sighs> anyway, um, Bruce Brown, solid defender, needs to work on his offense. Landry Shamit, great shooter, needs to work on everything else. And new head coach, Steve Nash. Their losses, Garrett Temple. Other than that, this team is literally the exact same team. You could play the 2K20 roster and put them in the 2K21. Everything's the same except for one player. So, what do you think? Of this team they will be exciting i think this will be the best team in the eastern conference now i do not think that they will have the best record simply based off the fact that their two superstars are now guys that you have to monitor injury wise kevin durant you didn't have to before but now after coming off the achilles you're not going to ramp him up playing 35 minutes a game right out the gate He's going to take his time. He's going to probably start off at a minute's limit of 25 to 30. And then as soon as the season wanes or as soon as the season keeps progressing, he's going to keep ramping himself up and get himself ready for the postseason where he's going to have to log big minutes. And that's when you're going to see him play better. I think he's he's obviously going to be rusty and he's going to be coming off one of the hardest injuries to come back from. But Kevin Durant doesn't feel like the kind of guy who relies on his athleticism too much and We've seen people come back from it. I hate everyone saying that you can't. It has messed up a lot of guys' careers, but there have been people who've come back. In WNBA, Breonna Stewart came back. Dominique Wilkins was an all-star twice, and he averaged 30 after. Um, Rudy Gay, who's not anything... He's not like an incredible player, but he's good, and he came back from his, his Achilles injury, and he's fine. He's been playing. He's been solidly contributing. So You can come back. It's tough. But you can come back. And I expect Kevin Durant after some after some rust getting after shaking off some of the rust, he's gonna be just as good as he was going forward. And the offensive combination of him and Kyrie Irving is gonna be absolutely spectacular. It's gonna be so fun to watch. I cannot wait. Um I'm gonna get into the NBA scheduling at the end of the pod, the last uh segment, but I'll talk about those games later, but just having those two on the same team is going to be really fun to watch. I can't wait. I expect um, I expect them to also try to consolidate this roster now. They have Spencer Dinwiddie, and they have Karis LeVert. Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be a free agent. Karis LeVert is going to be up for an extension. I expect them to try to keep one of them because they want to have some guy come off the bench and Lead the second unit, be a good score, and mix in with the starters as well. But, or so, I think one of them's getting traded to try to go ahead and, and, and it's like a, it's like a Boston thing where they lose players and it ends up maybe helping them just because they don't have so many 
guys at one position. I see Brooklyn doing the same thing and trying to um, consolidate their roster and find a way to get some help maybe in a front court spot or grab some more shooting. Um, I think that's really going to help them moving forward. I see that move coming for them, so I'm predicting that. I don't like DeAndre Jordan, um, but in this role, he'll be just fine. And having Jared Allen come off the bench, um, that solidifies your five position for you, even though Jared Allen should be starting. Um, but I digress in that regard. It doesn't really matter. As long as Kyrie and Kevin Durant are healthy, this team will be in the thick of it. They will be incredible. I am predicting NBA Finals. That's how much confidence I have in this team. That's how much confidence I have in Kevin Durant once he actually gets it going. And I have all the confidence in Kyrie Irving to be able to play with him. This team is going to be really fun. It's going to be crazy. But I expect a lot of greatness from this team. So buckle up for the Brooklyn Nets. Next up, we have the New York Knickerbockers, uh, 12 in the Eastern Conference last year, 21 and 45. They're bad. There's not much to talk about with the Knicks, so I'm not going to sit on them too long. But uh, the signings, we have Obi Toppin. They drafted him eighth overall. They also drafted Emmanuel quickly. They signed undraft rookie Miles Powell from Seton Hall, who's a really good scorer. He's just short. Um, they signed Alfred Payton, Nerlens Noel. Alec Burks, Austin Rivers, and Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, along with hiring new coach Tom Thibodeau. They lost Bobby Portis, Taj Gibson, Damian Dotson, Wayne Ellington, Mo Harkless, and Theo Pinson. There's not much to this team. They're going to be a bottom three team in the East, um, but I think this year's draft gives them all the incentive to be one of the worst teams in the league. You have Cade Cunningham, you have Zaire Williams, you have... Jalen Green, Jonathan Kaminga, Kai Soto. There's so many guys in the G League, early guys in the in, in college, Jalen Suggs. I mean, list goes on and on. Evan Mobley. There's a lot of guys who are going to be, um, hopefully, for the Knicks, uh, someone they can go ahead and build off of in, in this next year's draft. So they have a lot of incentive to be bad. This roster actually is built for that, so they're they're doing everything they should be doing. What they need to be pri um, prim primarily focusing on is the development of their young guys. So R.J. Barrett, he needs to be able to take the next step. They really need to see if Kevin Knox can do anything. So if <laughs> they need to see if Kevin Knox can be in a position to where he can actually contribute um, because his extension is coming up. If Kevin Knox wants any extension of any significance, he needs to step up, make a bigger mark on that team. It's also a make or break here for Frank Nilekina and Dennis Smith Jr. Who knows what they're going to be doing with those guards. One's incredibly gifted offensively. The other is incredibly gifted defensively. But they have a lot of flaws, and we don't know how they're going to move forward with either point guard. They signed Alfred Payton, so um, we'll see what happens there. All the veterans are nice additions, but they're nice additions to help you lose. I like what the Knicks are doing. Not every team can be in a position to win. You have to you have to get lucky. Um, they have Obi Top, and they're going to try to facilitate his growth along with the other young guys on their team. Keep doing that. Keep losing. Find a way to get a high draft pick, and hopefully um, that'll jumpstart your team going into the rest of the decade. But for now, just stay bad. Um, keep the course, and we'll see what happens. 
It's funny, if you look at the Atlantic division other than the Knicks, this is probably the most competitive division in basketball. There's maybe a couple in the West. You can maybe argue the Pacific division. But I think top to bottom, this is probably... It's it's funny. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the Pacific division next, and you can be... You can make the call on that, but the, the competition in both of these is, is really good. The Celtics, they were third in the Eastern Conference last year, 48-24, and 24, lost to Miami in the conference finals in six games. Jason Tatum, he made another leap, became a first-time All-Star and an All-NBA third-team member. Kemba Walker also made the All-Star team. They have uh, signed Tristan Thompson and Jeff Teague, re-signed Jason Tatum to a max contract, and drafted Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard. The loss for them is Gordon Hayward. Four years, 120 uh, deal with the Charlotte Hornets. A terrible contract. So not the biggest loss, but I'll talk about that loss um, in a second. So I, I alluded to it earlier in terms of the Nets trying to consolidate. I'm going to talk about it now again. Addition by subtraction. This is pretty much what it was like when they lost Terry Rozier. Um, they were able to figure out their point guard and guard position more. This will be the same thing. This will just facilitate and consolidate their roster and make things more clear and give guys more defined roles. Everyone knows Marcus Smart's going to play. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, those are your guys, and you're going to keep moving forward in that regard. Um, the only thing in terms of losing Gordon Hayward that's bad is that they lost him for nothing. They signed and traded for a second-round pick. But other than that, Miles Turner was on the table from Indiana, I think they wanted another player, and they were acting a little bit greedy. So Gordon Hayward and his reps were just like, I'm just going to take the 120 from Charlotte. Um, I tried to help you all out, but I'm just going to go get this money. Uh, so Boston ended up messing up because they didn't get anything back, no value, no asset, and that's going to hurt. But other than that, this team pretty much looks the same, um, but they've gotten some much-needed help in the front court. Tristan Thompson will help. He's going to be able to bang with bigger fuzz and more physical front courts. Um, so the Celtics don't have to try out 6'7 Daniel Tice every single time. But Kemba Walker is a big question mark. Um, Jeff Teague will be able to fit in to that role okay. But in terms of you trying to find significant play, you're paying Kemba the max for a reason. He's going to be hard to replace. And who knows if Kemba's going to get right. It's been a year. He's had so many on and off stints with the knee and... Who knows if he's going to get right. It, he, it looks like he just needs surgery, but he's trying to hold off on it as long as possible. It feels like he should just do it so he can try to get himself ready for the future, but who knows. Um, but even with the questions at, at point guard with Kemba, I still see this team as a top four-ish seed. Four-five is where I see, I see them finishing because I think Jason Tatum will still make the leap. Another leap, I think Jalen Brown's going to make a leap and to the point where he's going to be a no-doubt all-star this year he was in consideration last year I think he's going to be an all-star this year based on the configuration of the team so far I'm interested to see how they'll do that because technically there is no all-star game this year I wonder if they're still going to do like votes so that guys still get that recognition because being an all-star matters it matters in these guys contracts and their incentives and all that type of stuff so I wonder if they're actually still going to do that um, but I think the way that Jalen Brown's going to play would put him in that conversation I think the Celtics, I said four or five-ish seed. I'm going to put them at five. I still have Toronto, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee ahead of them. And one more team that I'm going to talk about next.
That team is the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, I hated this team last year, and so did a lot of people. I did not understand why in the hell they would sign Al Horford. It made no damn sense. But they did it, gave him a lot of money, and guess what? Somehow they unloaded it. Let me go ahead and get into just the the details of this team for a six seed last year, 43 and 30. Got bounced in the first round by the Celtics. Swept on out of here. Ben Simmons only played one game. Um, But he did have an incredible season. He made first team All-NBA as a defender. um, Really stepped up in that regard. However, Joel Embiid regressed. He didn't make any of the All-NBA teams after finishing second team All-NBA last year. You have a new president of basketball operations in Daryl Morey. New head coach, Doc Rivers. Signings. You traded for Seth Curry. Danny Green, Terrence Ferguson, and Tony Bradley. They drafted Tyrese Maxey, Theo Maldian, Paul Reed, and Isaiah Joe, one of my favorites uh, coming into this draft. They traded away Al Horford and Josh Richardson. They found some way to get off that Al Horford deal. And they waived Zaire Smith. So I think this team, as presently constructed, will get to the four seed. I don't think Daryl Morey is done. I think the way he's drafted and the way he's um, traded and and trying to get shooters like Seth Curry, who was the best shooter in the league last year statistically, and Danny Green, who is on and off, but he's still a solid defender and still a solid shooter. Um, You put some shooters around Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. If you want to go ahead and and try to make them work, this is the kind of team that you have to build around them. And having Isaiah Joe, who's a shooter as well, I like how they're trying to fill out this roster. I think Joel Embiid bounces back. I don't think he's going to have back-to-back subpar seasons. I think he's going to be motivated, and I think he's going to get right back into it. Ben Simmons, I, I, I expect him to continue to do his thing. Don't expect the jump shot to come. It's not going to come. Just accept that that, his, that is who he is and move forward. I, I I think they'll get they could get bounced in the first round again because I'm predicting they'd be the four. Um, if they play the Celtics, I wouldn't be surprised if they lose in the first round again, but... I think that they'll get to the second round this year, and that's pretty much when they're going to top out in terms of how how good they're going to be unless they make some sort of trade. I don't know if the James Harden trade is going to happen with them, but I think that's how high they're going to finish. And uh, I think they're really going to need to consider how they move forward with Embiid and Simmons because if you have another second-round exit, all these guys on max deals, you made more trades to try to fill out the roster and it still doesn't work, what are you going to do? And it's not a case of like the other teams just being astronomically better. If your guys play to their best uh, ability and you find ways to make it work, then this is a team that can contend and get to an Eastern Conference final and knock on that door. So, But it's really predicated on Joel Embiid continuing to improve and Ben Simmons cont- to continue to expand his game if he's not going to shoot jumpers. So, I think they'll be a top four seed, but I think their, their, their limit or their ceiling, rather, is just going to be the second round. All right, y'all. So uh, going to go into the Pacific Division uh, in, in the NBA. We got the Lakers. Your NBA champion, Los Angeles Lakers, the first place team in the Western Conference at 52-19. and 19. They traded for Dennis Schroeder. Miraculously, they signed Montrezl Errol Howe. They signed Marcus Gasol. And Wesley Matthews as well. I talked about some of those signings in the last pod. You want my thought? You want my thoughts? You want my thought thoughts on them? Listen to the last pod. Um, they lost Danny Green, Dwight Howard, JaVale McGee, 
and Rajon Rondo. I'm not going to really say too much about this team. I honestly, I'm going to get into my picks about who I think is going to win, but barring any kind of crazy injury, I see the Lakers getting back to the NBA Finals. I don't think it's that big of a, a leap to say that. The Clippers. I talked about them a little bit in terms of everything that's happening with them off the court. But even with the the distractions and the semantics and the blah, blah, this, that, the he said, she said, still finished second in the Western Conference at 49-23, and 23, lost to my incredible Denver Nuggets in an embarrassing seven-game collapse after they were up 3-1. In terms of signings, they signed Serge Ibaka, traded for Luke Kennard, they re-signed Marcus Morris to a ridiculous number at four years, $64 million. They drafted Daniel Oturo and signed Jay Scrub. He was the uh, Juco standout who entered the draft. And their new head coach is Tyron Lue. Losses include Montrez Harrell, Jamichael Green, and Landry Shamit via trade. Now, how do, we, how do I go ahead and express this? Now, the stuff isn't good. The off-the-court stuff, it's not good. The team chemistry stuff, not good. I just think, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a little bit overblown because they lost. This team is still incredibly talented, and now they have motivation because everyone and they mama has shit on them for an entire offseason. Now, it's not completely there. It's not. It, it, some of it is self-inflicted, for sure. But a lot of it, a lot of it feels like it's a little bit over the top. And if I'm a Clippers player, and you're one of the leaders on this team, I think I feel like you have a lot of motivation to go out and and try to prove something here. And I think they really do. Um, just being embarrassingly knocked out of the second round like that, it's just gonna you you have to bounce back. Um, I think Kawhi's still a top five player in this game. Paul George in the regular season can be a top 10, 15 guy. He's definitely top 10 when he's right. Um, he was third in MVP voting two years ago. So, I mean, he's right there when he's right, but it's just really hard to trust him. Um, but even with that, I think with the, the, the additions they made, I like Serge Ibaka a lot. I think he's really going to help. Um, I think they have one more move. This is me thinking... They're going to find some way to get some kind of playmaker who's not um, a total liability on defense like a, like a Lou Williams is off their bench. I feel like they're going to find some guy who can facilitate, and I think that move is going to, to elevate these Clippers into the, the Western Conference final picture. I actually think we're going to get the LA-LA series that we thought we were going to get this year, this season, or last year, this season. I think the Clippers just... Man, there's a lot of talent with those wings, and I don't trust Paul George at all, but even with that, I trust Kawhi Leonard enough to get the job done at least to get to the Western Conference Final. As as embarrassing as it was to be to lose 3-1, you were up 3-1, you know? And that was with the Paul George questions. That was with all the questions of team chemistry and whatever with this team and the cockiness and all that stuff. They were still up 3-1, so they had three opportunities to just win one game, and they would have been where everyone thought they were supposed to be. So I don't think it changes that much. I think Kawhi Leonard still comes out like gangbusters. I think this Clippers team is still incredibly talented. Ty Lue's kind of a whatever. I don't, I, I don't think he's that great of a coach that he hasn't really shown it. 
even with the title in Cleveland, it's easy to question it because of LeBron. But I think this Clippers team is still really talented. They're getting to the Western Conference Finals. That's my prediction for them. The Golden State Warriors. Now, this one hurts, man. It really hurts a lot. They had the worst record in the league last year at 15-50. and 50. They traded for Kelly Oubre. They signed Kent Bazemore and Brad Wanamaker. And they drafted James Wiseman, Nico Mannion. They lost Kai Bowman. And obviously, more significantly, they lost Klay Thompson to that Achilles injury. So, like I said, this one sucks. They had aspirations of getting to the Western Conference Finals and com- possibly competing for a championship this year. Losing Clay Thompson just completely takes them out of the picture, and it sucks because it just really opens up the Lakers to be the, the overwhelming favorite here. It would have been really fun to see Steph, Clay, and Draymond lace them up again and try to make it feel like the old days, 2014 to 2016, when they didn't have Kevin Durant. They were just running up on people and scoring and, and going crazy. It would have been really nice to see them do it again. Now we have to wait another season. Who knows what Clay's going to be like when he's coming back, but... I still believe in this team. I think they could finish anywhere from 3-7. to seven. They're not going to not make the playoffs. I need everyone who has any basketball sense to stop saying that. It's stupid, and people keep trying to question Steph Curry and stuff, and it's ridiculous. I, I don't know why. Um, truly one of the most disrespected superstars ever. It doesn't make any sense. But to think this team with that player, that collection, that experience – and now, if you look around, it's it's Steph and Dre, the old vets, leading a bunch of young athletic guys who have a lot to prove. Kelly Oubre, he's not Klay Thompson, but he'll fit nicely there. Andrew Wiggins as a third option, I'll take it if he's my third option. James Wiseman, I think he's going to be absolutely amazing for this team. He's going to provide a rim running presence. He's going to prevent a pre. Um, he's going to provide a a lob presence. He's going to do a lot for this team. I expect a lot from James Wiseman. I think he's going to knock on the door for Rookie of the Year consideration. Don't think he's going to win just because he won't have the numbers. But he's going to knock on the door. He's going to get some votes. He's going to be a first-team all-rookie for sure. I really like him in this role. It just sucks because they were going to be so good with Clay, man. But, but don't sleep on him. They're still going to be really fun to watch. Steph's going to get some MVP votes for sure. He's going to have an unbelievable season. I can't wait for him to continue to prove people wrong who still have questions about a two-time MVP for some reason. Um, He's going to be incredible. They're not going to win the championship, but I wouldn't jump off the bandwagon. They're going to make it hard for one of these Western Conference teams to get by him, and I can't wait to watch it. All right, I go now to the darlings of the bubble. The Phoenix Suns, 10th in the Western Conference last year at 34-39, and 8-0 in the NBA bubble. They signed Chris Paul, or excuse me, they traded for Chris Paul. Um, they signed Jay Crowder. They drafted Jalen Smith out of Maryland. They lost Aaron Baines and Kelly Oubre. Now, what do I think of this team? I talked about them a little bit last week. I think Chris Paul is a great addition. Um, just provides veteran leadership and, and a thing that Phoenix has needed for 20 years, um, a point guard. So, or I'm exaggerating, I'm sorry. It's They've needed it ever since Devin Booker became their best player, a guy who could 
lead the offense, facilitate from the point guard position. Chris Paul is perfect in that role. I think DeAndre Aiden makes a leap because he's playing with Chris Paul. He's going to get so many easy baskets. He's not going to know what to do with him. Devin Booker is making All-NBA third team right now. You guys can book it. Um, they're deep on the wings with Mikel Bridges and, and Cam Johnson, Jay Crowder. And they got a really good mix of young guys and veterans. I, I love that. I have them finishing anywhere from 5 to 9. I'm pretty sure they're going to be a 5 to 6 seed because Chris Paul with OKC's roster got him to a 5. I think Phoenix is going to be around that same area as well, especially with the questions about the other teams in the Western Conference, even though the Western Conference is still clearly better than the East. This team looks incredibly solid on paper. I'm excited to see how it looks. I think Monty Williams is going to be able to lead these guys. Um, he has the command of the locker room, command of those players. And like I said, I really like the mix of young and veteran players. That's why I still think Golden State's going to be good. I think Phoenix is going to be good as well. They're going to be a nice team. And last, and yes, certainly least, we have the Sacramento Kings, the 12th seed in the Western Conference last year, 31-41. and 41. What are they doing? I have no idea, but I'll go over it. Hassan Whiteside and Glenn Robinson III, Frank Kaminsky and Corey Brewer are their signings. They drafted Tyrese Halliburton, Jemias Ramsey, and Robert Woodard III. Uh, max extension for De'Aaron Fox. Shout out to De'Aaron. They lost Bogdan Bogdanovich. It's funny. Because I actually like their draft. They rent, they swung um, really high with their second round picks, Jemias Ramsey and Robert Woodard. Two guys who, Woodard is incredibly physical. Um, he has the body of an NBA player right now. Um, he just has to really work on his shot. Um, but he's a solid defender already, and he has to work on his handle and playmaking. Jemias Ramsey is a really good three-level scorer. Um, he just has some questions about the jump shot and defensively but the kid plays hard and Tyrese Halliburton you got a really solid playmaker who can play with De'Aaron who can run the second unit as well I like that draft pick um but other than that what else is going on here they got Buddy Heald who's happy and not happy there Marvin Bagley has been healthy and not healthy why do you sign Hassan Whiteside that's stupid especially when he was in your organization before and he was terrible um they're still going to be a basement team for me. And it's fine. They should be. They should be a team that's trying to tank and get one of these high picks in the draft next year. Now, what they need to focus on is just getting Marvin Bagley healthy. Let Marvin Bagley get healthy so we can actually have some consistent growth and a consistent development as an NBA player. He just hasn't had it these first two years. He's missed too many games. He's probably only played one season in total from these last two years. So get Marvin Bagley healthy. Continue to let De'Aaron Fox do whatever he wants so you can keep him happy. Hopefully develop Tyrese Halliburton a little bit. Maybe even trade Buddy Heald so you can try to open things up for more guys. And then see if your team can be worse. So you can try to get a higher draft pick. Because the way this roster is constructed right now, they're a middling to low team in the Western Conference. And if you want to compete, you need some better high-end talent. Um, and the only way you're going to get that in Sacramento is through the draft. So they're going to lose figure out how to lose, and continue to develop those young players. All right, guys, so that was the first two team or first two divisions. Um, I'm going to go over the next two and the next two pods, but let me go ahead and preview the schedule that actually has come out for the next or for the first Christmas week of NBA basketball. Preseason games came out, whatever. 
I will talk about them um, probably next week, but I want to go ahead and get into the schedule. Tuesday, December 22nd of the regular season, Golden State is going to open at Brooklyn, and you have the Clippers play the Lakers. Opening night, what more could you want? Golden State playing Kevin Durant, obviously his old team, Kyrie Irving, Steph Curry. It's going to be exciting. The very first game. Second game, all L.A. Not much needs to be explained. That's going to be fun, too. On Wednesday, um, we're going to have Milwaukee play Boston. Giannis, obviously, playing the Celtics. It's going to be great. And then Dallas and Phoenix, you're going to have the Suns, new look Chris Paul, Devin Booker, see how they look, playing against Luka, a lot of people's MVP favorite, which I don't understand for some reason. I don't think Luka's going to win the MVP. He could average 30, 11, and 11, and it'd be great, and I love Luka, and I called Luka from the beginning, so don't call this as, hey, I don't think the Mavs are going to have a good enough record for him to win the MVP. I think if the Lakers have the MVP again, they're going to give it to LeBron, unless, um, actually, I think I think so, because I think Brooklyn is going to compete enough with Milwaukee to make the one seed in the East not so lopsided to where... Giannis for sure is the MVP. So if the Lakers end up getting the best record in the West once again, I think sentimentally, even though that shouldn't be a factor, people are going to keep pushing for LeBron and he's going to end up winning it. And then on Christmas, because everyone knows NBA lives for Christmas Day. The five-game slate. The New Orleans Pelicans will play the Miami Heat. Golden State Warriors are going to play the Milwaukee Bucks. Brooklyn Nets, Boston Celtics. Dallas Mavericks will play the Lakers, and the Clippers will play my Nuggets in the nightcap. Look at that, y'all. Um, going over each matchup, New Orleans, Zion Williamson. I mean, that's that's pretty much the draw, right? And they're going to play the Miami Heat, who made it to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. That's our first game. Golden State, Milwaukee. Steph Curry versus Giannis. That's a ratings bonanza. People are going to love that. And it's at 2.30, so 2.30 Christmas time. They're going to love it. Brooklyn, Boston, 5 o'clock start time on the East, 2 o'clock here on the West. Now Kyrie is playing his old team, so they did not waste any time, the schedule makers, in having Kevin Durant and Kyrie play their old team. So Brooklyn plays Golden State, and then Brooklyn plays Boston. So that's the incentive there. The main event, Dallas Mavericks and the Los Angeles Lakers. The current face of the league, LeBron, playing the potential future face of the league, uh, Luka, that's going to be an incredible matchup. It's going to be really fun to watch. They had really good regular season games last year, so I like that they're getting matched up here on Christmas. And the Lakers, or excuse me, the Clippers, playing the team that they lost to in the second round last year after being a 3-1. You can never repeat that enough, can you? But last year, the Nuggets played, I believe, the Pelicans last year on Christmas, and they did terribly because we have a terrible record on national TV. So... I'm not going to get my hopes up because we're always bad on national TV unless it was the playoffs last year. So we shall see. The Clippers are going to be coming off the Lakers. Maybe it's they feel like it's a letdown playing us So um, because it's not the Lakers. But I'm talking in circles, actually, because they're not going to think it's a letdown because we beat them after we were down 3-1. So I expect the, <laughs> I expect the Clippers to give us our be- their best shot, actually. So that might not be the prettiest game for my Nuggets. But there you go, y'all. December 22nd, 23rd, and 25th, the schedule is out for those days. We're most likely going to get the schedule for the rest of the first half of the season coming up pretty soon, so keep it locked, and we'll go ahead and talk about those details once they come out.
All right, y'all, I want to appreciate, uh, appreciate you again for listening to the Good Look Podcast. I'm your host, Leonard Pinkney, a.k.a. Agent P, a.k.a. L. Pinkney, giving y'all another one. Um, please follow at the Good Look Podcast. Please like, rate, share, and subscribe um, on all the DSPs. Re- write a review if you can. I really appreciate it. It really helps my stuff get out there. So please do that if you can. And continue to put this on your stories. Uh, ask questions. I'll probably put out a, a mailbag right before the season starts just to get all the questions out and see what people think and questions people have before going into the season. Going to continue the NBA uh, season preview over these next couple pods, so keep it locked so you guys can get ready for the regular season. That is less than 20 days away. It's going to be real exciting. I can't wait to talk about it more. Um, thanks again, again for listening, guys. I hope you have a good one.